Hey, good morning. Let's see who I'm dealing with here today. All right. Oh, Pastor Tom's prescription. Okay. All kinds of things find up here. All right. Well, I'm Dave. I'm the family pastor here, and it's nice to see you guys again. Uh, just want to welcome all the children that are here with us today. I got a lot of hand waving, and it was just good to see some of your loving faces as I walked in here today. Could we just give a round of applause for our kids that are with us this morning? Yes. We love you kids very much, and thanks for being with us on these fifth Sundays. Well, this last month, Pastor Tom has been going through uh, four particular things that are of value, of high value uh, to City Church. Connect with God, uh, come as you are, connect with God, connect with people, and today we're going to be finishing it up with contending for more of God's presence. So, these are, these are important. Uh, come as you are. We want this to be a place. This is a family. This is a building. This is an opportunity for people to come as they are. We don't need to perform to be close to God. We just need to come as we are, and he takes us that way. But he doesn't leave us there. He allows us to connect with God, connect with the creator of the universe, and he wants to have a relationship with us. As we connect with God, we, decide, we, just, we uh, discover that he wants to do more, that actually we're his agents of change in the world. And so he gives us the opportunity and the invitation and the power to connect with people in a way... Um, that will change lives, that will change schools, that will change our place of employment, that will change our church, that will change this region and change the world. God invites us at the beginning to come as we are, to connect with him so that we can connect with people. But then our final, uh, the final value that we have um, stated in our, uh, on our bulletin or things that are important to us that we pursue, and that is contending for more of God's presence. Contending for more of God's presence. So that's what we're going to spend our time this morning talking about, contending for more of God's presence. When I was in college, uh, we had a speech class, and we did information, informative speeches and persuasive speeches. And uh, they were very different. Informative speech, you just got to tell people. You got to transfer information and knowledge to the, to the group. Persuasive speech is you're giving a little bit of information, but you're trying to help people, uh, trying to convince them actually to take action. So this morning... This is a persuasive speech. My, uh, my, I'm going to be giving you some information. I'm going to be giving you some testimonies. I'm going to be sharing some of the things uh, from God's word and his heart for us and his desire for us as a church and as individuals and as families. And my persuasion is going to be to let God invite all of us through his word and through these testimonies today to contend for more of his presence today. I would like to pray. Um, let's do that. Lord, we wait upon you. Would you let anything that is in us that's just not as important as we thought it once was would you just let it come to the surface so that you can, you can begin to wipe things away that are less important than the greatest thing, which is pursuing you. 
Lord, I pray that this would be a that this would be a place of healing. That this would be a place of of divine rescue from our sin, from our dire circumstances. I pray, Lord, that your grace and mercy would be easily accessible in this room with your family this morning, with the body of Christ. Would you meet with us today? And would you keep us from contending in our own strength? And would you let us be infused with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to do the things that only you can do, to earn things that only you can pay for, to walk with you in a way that will change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there is a lot of talk around here about striving. Don't, let's not strive. We don't want to strive. Uh, and then, so I'm talking about contending. Well, what's the difference between striving and contending? Well, uh, just a couple of nuances, and there aren't a whole lot of differences, but uh, the Bible talks about be still. Be still and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. Relax, let go, and know that I am God. When we strive, we're striving for something that we have not yet attained. When we contend, we contend for something that we already have, to keep it strong and to keep it fresh. Striving is when we try in our own strength to attain something that Jesus has already earned on our behalf. Contending, when we contend, we have hope in his promises and in his strength. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So he eliminates the excuse of I can't come to God because I'm too weak, I don't have what it takes. God says, I'll take what little you give and I will fill in the rest. I will bring the increase. I will do what I need to do so that I can have all of you. So, we're going to be talking, I'm just going to let you know where we're rolling today. We're going to be talking about the desire, the desire for more of God's presence. Cultivating a desire, a hunger for more of God's presence. We're going to talk about the discipline. Oh, discipline. Kids don't understand what that means. When I talk about the discipline, they're, they're looking for a paddle. You know, um, that's um, a discipline, the habits that we can work in our own lives that'll actually help us to be closer to God in a real way. Then we're going to talk about the delight. So what's the difference between desire and delight? Well, desire is like this hunger that we have. The delight is the satisfaction that we receive as we're contending for God to do everything that he wants to do in us and through us. And then finally, I'm going to bring you to a decision, all of us. Are we in? Are we interested? Is this something that we want to do? Is this something that we're willing to say yes to this morning? So I figured I'd be fair and let you know where the persuasive speech was going to end up so that, you know... (laughs) During my next prayer, you can leave. Um, First of all, the desire. Walking with Jesus is a privilege. What's the difference? Um, Well, you know, we talked about having a, a hunger and contending for something that God has already purchased for us when he gave his son to rescue our lives. I want my life to be full of Jesus as a get-to, not a have-to. 
I spent years of my life, and going to church was a have to. I had to do it. I didn't have the strength for it. I wasn't hungry for it. I was hungry for sleep. I was hungry for video games. I was hungry for cartoons. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to be a part of God. I didn't, it was, it was a have to. And so I would do things, and then to look good, I would act the part. But going to church and being with Jesus wasn't a get to. It was a have to. God wants to turn our, our, our have to into a get to today. Being, impar- being a parent involves enforcing some rules. Uh, and if you ask my kids, we have a lot of rules in our house. Uh, I kind of think we're pretty lenient, and, you know, but our kids, uh, <laughs> they, they have different stories. But there are times where I'm just so tired of enforcing rules and because kids are really good at getting around the rules. Uh, and there's just times where I just want to be with my kids. I want to be with them. I just want to go on a drive with them. I just want to sit and have ice cream with them. I just want to cuddle with them. Sometimes when we're in a very heavy season of rules, our kids don't trust that I just want to cuddle with them. <laughs> hey, let's go on a drive. What did I do wrong? <laughs> hey, you want to get some ice cream? What's it going to cost me? You know, that's how I used to view God. God wants to spend time with you. Oh, what did I do wrong? You know, God is fully aware of our sin and our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And in Isaiah, he says, okay, yeah, you've got all this against you, so come, let us reason together. Oh, my goodness. God takes us in all of those sins, selfish patterns and weaknesses, and he said, okay, let's reason together. But God's reasoning is not our reasoning. He says, though your sins were as scarlet, they will be whiter than snow. So, you can't sin too much to separate you from being able to come to God. You can't disqualify yourself because you've made too many mistakes. Sometimes, oftentimes, God just wants to be with us. He's a good father and he wants to spend time with us. He wants to delight in you His desire is for you, and when we realize that, we're starting to realize that our desire can be for him as well. I I just got to be up front. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I used to spend so much time being the center of attention. My desire was for me. My desire was to look good. My desire was to get places. My desire was to manipulate people to do what I want them to do. My desire was to use my charm and my wit. And it was empty. It's like every day I would wake up with this emotional hangover of emptiness. And you guys, God has helped me turn that around and I want to say that he can do the same for you. My desire is for him and nothing but Jesus. Luke chapter 11. (laughs) Okay, here come the glasses. Maiden voyage, you guys are here. All right. Luke chapter 11. Jesus is teaching on prayer in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus says, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So that's his teaching. And then he goes on 
to talking about real life with the people in the room. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Explanation point. Exclamation point. God wants to be with us. God is just waiting for us to knock with the, with the piddly little knock, and he's saying, I will open. God is wanting us to ask for just about anything, and his desire is, I will give you what you ask for and even more. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want to encourage you guys to come tonight to um, let's talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because what we're going to do this morning is going to tee up something greater that God has in store for this evening. And uh, Paul, in the book of Acts, went, he was checking in on some of the churches that were there, the churches that he planted, people who had been saved, and he came to a group of them. They were excited about Jesus, and, and he said, well, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Well, these guys were doing great. Well, they said, we didn't even, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul prayed for them, and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They received something greater. God endowed them in, with power that they didn't know, power and courage and boldness and an alertness. And God opened up a whole new level of gifts for those people because God had more, and they didn't even realize it. I want to say this morning that God has more, and you might not even realize it. You probably don't realize it. And our premeditated AT&T, can I take your order? Hang on a second. Our premeditated response to God asking us to give all is probably not enough because God wants more than we could ever ask and God wants to give more than we could ever imagine. God has created you for more than just the daily details and drama of this life. We were made to behold his presence and to walk with our God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is an invitation from God about himself to taste and see that the Lord is good. Now my wife Sarah and I, we are very different with how we taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, we both know that God is good, but we experience him in different ways. I remember the first time earlier on in our marriage when I was trying to uh, set up a prayer time to pray with my wife. I thought that was a good thing to do. You know, I'm the family children's pastor. I should learn how to pray with my wife so that I can tell other people that they should be doing it. Um, and uh, so... Uh, <laughs> So we got together and prayed, and I, I got the mood lighting, and I got the candles, and I got the, I got the worship music playing just right, and, and, um, and I'm just kind of waiting for her, you know, and, uh, to come on in so we can pray. I was setting the mood, you know, I was creating a place that even God would want to come to, you know. Um, so, so she comes in, and uh, she's like, all right, so are we going to pray? I said, yeah. So she sits down, and she just immediately starts barking out some prayers. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa sweetheart, honey. Let's just feel the mood, and, and let's just let's just wait on the Lord. And um, she's like, "Well, I got stuff in the crock pot," and I'm, she's like, and she calls me dude. She's like, "Dude, I know what I want to ask him for. I know what I need to do. Let's do it." I mean, I figure we can do this in sixty seconds. And I'm like, "Do you see the candles? Do you hear the music?" And she's like, "Well." Okay, so then she's like bowing her head, and then she doesn't know what I'm expecting of her in that moment. And uh, so she's winking and peeking, and I just said, I said, hold on. She's like, can I pray yet? 
Oh, so it took a long time for us to realize that we, we have different pathways that we get to God. We have different things that we appreciate. She enjoys nature. She enjoys time alone. I like being in a room full of people when I find God. I like driving fast and listening to loud music. I mean, these are ways that I connect with God in some sweet ways. And they're completely different. And I like setting the mood, and she likes to get her done. She's like, yeah. And, uh, oh. You know, every one of us will taste and see that the Lord is good in a different way. And I just want to encourage you to have the freedom to not be like somebody else, to not have to be like somebody else, to not worship like somebody else, to not serve like somebody else, to not have a devotional time or to not have your family be just like somebody else. God's way more creative than that. And there are so many ways that we can experience God's presence and we can contend for more of his presence the way that he made us. I am now free to be me. I have given up on having myself be the center of attention, and I have made Jesus the center of attention in my life. I put him first in the things that I do. And I'm not perfect, but it has been a mindset shift that has changed the trajectory of my path. One way for contending for his presence is simply by doing what he's created us to do, the way that he's made you to do it. And God desires to be with you. That's just an important thing to know. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of works and we're just hoping that God likes us. God desires to be with you. How much more will us earthly parents, you know, uh, you know if, if we can give our kids good gifts, how much will God give us the Holy Spirit? At Thanksgiving, um, we were um, praying around the table. There were 20 of us at Thanksgiving and, and Grandpa was right in the middle of the table and, and uh, so Grandpa was getting ready to pray. Well, the youngest grandson, just a toddler, Everyone was closing their eyes. It was a reverent moment, and we were hungry. That's one way to get the kids to pray. Have the food right there. Um, And this little boy was just looking at Grandpa, and he didn't know anything about closing eyes. He just said, Papa, Papa, and he's right across the table. And Grandpa, who's not a very emotional fella, pauses in his prayer, and he's like, Henry's talking to me, you know, and, um, <laughs> and so he's like, all right, and so he continues to pray, and this little boy is just whispering, Papa, and he's just fascinated at every time Papa opens his mouth, this boy just smiles with glee. He could hardly even finish the prayer, and by the end of the prayer, we were almost all in tears at just the beauty that was taking place as this intimate exchange of relationship. This little boy desired to be with his Papa. And this papa couldn't even contain himself as he was just seeing the love that his grandson had for him. Now, how much more will the Father in heaven who created us long and desire to be with us? He desires to be with you. So what does it look like to seek God with all of our heart to contend for more of his presence? I'm going to read the book of Hebrews. I'm not going to read the whole book. Um, (laughs) Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it is, an imp- it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. And it's impossible to please God much less have a relationship with him unless we have faith and believe that he's there. So, at this point in the game I want to say if you are not connected with God through a relationship with his son Jesus it's showtime. God is saying, this is step one. Come as you are and connect with God. 
So there's an invitation right now that I'm giving you to say yes to Jesus. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus was his perfect son. He came and lived a sinless life, which is the polar opposite of all of the lives that we live. Jesus was the only one that could take our punishment and our sin where it would matter. He took that upon himself so that we could be forgiven. He took our sin on the cross and God raised him from the grave three days later. God showed us his love when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and he showed us his power over sin and over death when he raised him from the grave. And he did all this so that we wouldn't have to work towards earning God's favor. He's already given it to us. His desire is for you. So I want to ask this morning, right now, before we go any further, I want to know, do you need to be forgiven this morning? Do you need to have your sins forgiven? Do you need to have your heart washed clean? Do you need to come to God realizing that he desires for you to know him? God wants to walk with you. And he's offering this opportunity even now to begin a relationship that starts with forgiveness. So, I'm going to ask if we close our eyes for a moment. If you, if you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it's just a matter of saying, yes, Lord. If you want to ask God for, for, for that forgiveness, that he would rescue you from your sin and your selfishness, come as you are to connect with God. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. Yeah. Oh, my. Thank you. Thank you so much for... You could put your hands down. A lot of hands. We're a needy bunch. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And if, if we've done this before, I'm going to ask you to help us. Help those of us that are doing this for the first time. Basically, it's just thanking God for what he's done and inviting him to forgive us of our sin and to give us a new life. So if you wouldn't mind just repeating that type of prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I am glad that you died on the cross. I'm glad that you took my place so that I could be forgiven. I want to know you. I want to love you. And I want to walk in freedom. Thank you, God, for loving me so much. Thank you for rescuing me. Amen. 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 I think we should clap because there were some bold people here. That, <laughs> yes. So let's not fight it. Let's not fight God's love. Let's receive his love for us. So what does it look like? Here's the discipline. Now, this is not an exhaustive list here, but these are things that... Uh, It's about making room for God and making time for God. Those are the major headings here. We have a, a FM radio in our car. Our CD, is bro CD player is busted. Um, 
and I've got six people in my family, and we've all got different tastes in music. So, uh, there's, you know, there's a hundred stations, or not quite, but, um, you know, on the FM dial, and so we take turns. So my daughter and I, Hannah, she loves music, I love music, just our genres of music cross at very small points, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and so we take turns, you know, I'll pick a song, you pick a song, all right, you know, and then we turn it up really loud because she's got that thing in her too. Um, and then we turn each other on to different, our different styles of music, and, um, but we're already, we're always changing stations. Um, you know, like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to pick that as my song because uh, there could be one better, so I'm going to check these other presets. You know, we got like, these cars have like 86 presets. You know what I mean? More than you could ever, you know, so um, it's like flipping the channel, you know, on the, on, on the TV. We just want to make sure that this is the best song that we could be listening to right now, that this song really fits the mood that I want to groove in right now, that this song is exactly the one. But there could be something else out there that I'd rather be listening to, and I'm going to find it, even if it's the last 20 seconds of the song. And I realized that, you know, I would just be like, stop it! Well, now I'm driving, and I realize that I'm flipping through these dumb stations too, and I'm like, oh, oh man, that's a good song. There might be a better one, you know, and, and you, know, you know, you listen to a CD, you know, or a playlist, and bam, it just goes right out there. Now we've got too many options, and it's almost, it's really difficult to sit and enjoy one thing, and there's this little nagging curiosity that wants to know what else is there. There might be something better. Jesus addressed this with two sisters, Mary and Martha. They both love Jesus. But Mary could sit and listen to the CD without changing the station, so to speak. Martha was very busy seeing if there was something better that she could do, something more effective that she could do, something more that she could do for God. And Jesus said, um, he addressed Martha. He said, you're busy about so many things. Martha had lost focus. She got so busy doing things that she crowded out the most important thing, which is Jesus. One way of contending for more of God's presence is as simple as making more room in your life by dying to yourself more. It's not like God's got all this presence up here just waiting to see how much we deserve it. But it's the idea of less of me and more of him. It's creating more space inside of us, inside of our life, inside of our heart, inside of our calendar, so that God can have greater access to us. I was talking with one of our worship leaders a month ago, and we were just talking about all these things that keep us busy. And, uh, and he looked at me, and he's like, yeah. He's like, man, I wrestle with this stuff all the time, and we're talking about just all these things that keep us busy. He said, you know, the more, he just rattled this out of his mouth, and I wrote it down. He said, the more we rely on the things of this world, the more those things will demand of us. And that was profound. The more we rely on the things of this world, the more that those things will demand, will demand of us. But now I am free from striving to earn God's acceptance and favor. I'm walking with him and living for him because he accepts me as I am. So, make room and also make time. And a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm going to try to find some time. Well, you know what? If you're looking to find time, you're probably not going to find it. Uh, making time. We make time and we have money for the things that are important to us. 
And I want to say that we need to make time to contend for his presence, make time to pray, make time to listen, make time to be with other people that are, that are common faith as yourself. Make time to read the Bible and to study the Bible. These are, these are things that, I, that were not get-tos for years of my life, but as I did them more and more and more, God let me, God let them become get-tos and not have-tos anymore. And slowing down and making time. So we have two girls in high school. Uh, one of them is taking calculus, and it's hard. It's killing her, and she's just, but she doesn't want to get out of the class because she really wants to, she wants to get the grade. She wants to make it happen. She wants to work towards college credit, but it's just hard. And, um, you know, but she's willing to put the effort in, you know, and she, she's probably not going to get an A, but man, she is just working hard. She doesn't want to give up. And I'm impressed. I never made it that far. Um, well, then my wife works at the elementary students. And so she was there, uh, she was at school one day, and there was this, uh, she was just, he was asking about our kids. And he's like, yeah, well, I got two girls in high school, and um, in high school, are classes easier or harder? And uh, she's like, oh, oh, they're a lot harder. Um, she's like, yeah, well, I, I mean, my daughter's taking calculus, and um, uh, you probably never even heard of that. He's like, oh, I know calculus. I learned it on the internet last night. <laughs> And she, I mean, that was one of the funniest things of her week, you know. I learned calculus on the internet last night. Well, why, should, why didn't we just tell our daughter that? You know, we could give her the right website and uh, she wouldn't have to struggle anymore. Um, well, you know, things that are important and things that really matter often take time and take energy. We want things now. Earlier this year, we went to Mexico, my wife, my daughters, and I, and we went on a mission trip with Noe and Holly Clemente. And I'll tell you what, our patience was tested. We, it took us 20 minutes to get anywhere we needed to go unless there was a goat in the middle of the road and then we'd have to wait for the rest of the goats to come. And I mean, we're, I'm like, well, we gotta be at the service. We gotta do, you know. And then we get there to the church and we're, you know, we're five minutes behind schedule and the pastor hasn't even shown up yet, you know. And um, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, we were like, we want things now. We, you know, we're late. Come on, let's get moving. Let's get moving. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, well, the kids, well, the, the poster here says 10 o'clock. And they go, yeah, the kids don't know. They'll be in here, you know. And then whenever they get in here, we'll, we'll get started, you know. And, oh, man, you know. And, uh, and I'm like, well, my kids just want to know what time's lunch, you know. Um, well, that's all messed up down there. Um, you eat breakfast at like 11 and you have lunch later on in the afternoon, and you have dinner at like 10 at night. Um, so, you know, everything that we wanted right now wasn't happening. And um, so we just realized how entitled we were and how impatient we were and just how it's so easy to want what we want when we want it. I want to learn calculus on the internet in a night. I don't want to wait. I don't want to do the work. I don't want to strive and struggle. My niece and nephew had this little dog, and, and their niece let her out, and she's getting old, not the niece, the dog, and, um, and she's wandering around there, and she was, the dog was outside for about 15 minutes, and she came to her mom, and she said, Mom, um, have you seen Peyton? And she's like, do you know where Peyton went? And her mom just said, no, I don't know where she is, but we know where she'll come back to, and uh, Jessica's like, yeah, you're right, and sure enough, just a few minutes later, she came right back to the door. You know... 
God lets us do a lot of things, but it's only when we realize and we taste and see how good he is that we start to realize that he's the one that we need to come back to. And he's better than any other thing that we could ever have. He wants to be the source of every good thing in our life, and he wants us to find pleasure as we seek and desire him and realize how his desire is so great towards us. I want to contend for more of God's presence. I don't want to be scrapping for scraps anymore and striving in my own work to do what God's already paid for to do. I want, I want to seek God, and I want to know Him. You know, I know I'm usually cracking jokes and stuff. I'm sorry. Um, And I don't like talking about the hard stuff. Maybe there's still a part of me that wants to be liked. But there is a delight that is available as we delight in God. And that delight in God as we contend to give him everything that we are will naturally walk itself out as we change our habits and we discipline ourselves to pursue God more than anything else. And then comes his delight. So our desire for God, the discipline and the delight. And the delight is the satisfaction, the rewards of contending. Being close to God is not as exciting on the surface as it is deeply satisfying in my soul. I mean, it's exciting. But it's not like, yay, God. It's more like standing in awe and beholding him, being still and knowing that he is God. Well, some people have talked to me before, and they're like, dude, yeah, Pastor Dave, of course God's awesome to you. You got a great marriage. You got good stuff going on. You're a pastor. Don't you wake up praying? And the answer to that is no. God, as a matter of fact, God doesn't refer to me as Pastor Dave. Ever. (laughs) So I'm going to be a little vulnerable right here, and I'm going to tell you how imperfect my life is. I, uh, I wrestle with a skin condition that is very painful and frustrating and embarrassing. I've got stuff going on with my teeth that are very frustrating and painful and embarrassing. Our basement flooded this last year, and our house, our whole downstairs is a mess, and we're trying to figure out what to do with it still. We've had this army of flies in our home <laughs> for eight months and we cannot get rid of the flies and we have to apologize every time people come over to our house we've got grandparents that are very close to perhaps their last days who who don't know Christ and they're saying that I don't want to know Christ there's a lot going on here with my job and other pursuits that I'm a part of that are 
if I'm not careful, I'll be overcrowd my schedule and I will overwhelm myself and I will be full of stress and those things. I'm fighting that. And when that gets into a dark place, my depression comes up and surfaces and I get into a place where um, nothing seems good, nothing seems right, and nothing seems manageable. And every good thing that you could tell me I have about my life doesn't make any sense when I'm in those dark places. So just before you say, well, look at you, you've got it all together. No way, man. I am very acquainted with pain and suffering. And the deeper my pain, the greater my longing is to know Jesus with all that I have. The greater the pain that I experience in this life, the greater the longing that I have for the life that is to come. So your pain cannot separate you from the love of God unless you give it permission to. God is awesome. He delights in you. He is satisfied with his relationship with you. I want to contend to give him what he came to pay for. So this week has been crazy. We went down to a funeral on Sunday in Chicago, came back. I'm, we're, our car broke down on Highway 90, like broke down dead, like we knew it was coming. We got a couple cars that are ticking time bombs, and um, it just happened to be with this one. And I've got three of my kids in the car, and, and I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, and we, and we, we coasted. We were able to coast. The thing just died, and we were able to monkey it into a hotel parking lot. <sighs> Turns out we need to replace the engine. But we decided that we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And our son's going to buy the car, but we had to make all these decisions. You know, in these moments, your kids have all these questions about what's happening and what are we going to do next? You know, and it's 10 o'clock on a Sunday night and we got school tomorrow and I got homework to do. Are we going to get home tonight? You know, and I'm, ah! So my brother came, rescued me. The rest of the family was able to get home in, another, in our other car. So I'm out there and I'm stranded for two days in Chicagoland trying to figure out what to do with this car and what the best way to take care of this is. So I, I end up getting a room at a hotel uh, because I finally got someone that's able to tow it back to Madison so he can replace the engine. I mean, and, you know, none of this is sounding like pocket change. And so, so I'm in the hotel, and I'm just like, well, I'm going to start preparing for my message, darn it. And um, so <laughs> I'm sitting here with my Bible, you know, and all 38 pillows behind me, you know, and I'm just like, this is great. Um, I wake up at 3 in the morning, and my head is like kinked like this, and I can't even move. And, um, and so this whole week, I've had these muscle spasms up and down my back, and I'm even kind of crooked this morning. And I've just, I've gone to the chiropractor a couple times. He even had pity on me and waved one of the, waved one of the, the fees for the adjustment. And, he, and as he's finishing up with me, and I was just telling him about the woes of my week, he says, does this happen to you once in a while when... When you're preparing for a message, I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, your car dies in another state, you know, um, your back is out, um, you know, and listed a couple other things that, and I said, you know what, maybe, but it didn't even phase me. Now, as much as I was playing it up, like all of these woesome things were happening, I was not even considering them as like difficult things. My wife, she ended up getting the kids home. I stayed there. There was nothing I could do. I was just trying to figure things out. I was taking things as they come. As soon as I got back here, I went to the chiropractor. You know, we ended up taking care of things. The car still got no engine in it. 
My back is still in pain. But you know what? Never once did I turn towards God and say, what is going on? My default response now is gratitude. And that is not anything that I have done myself. That is the work of God. As I've contended for his presence, he has filled me with a generous heart and a grateful spirit. I'll tell you what, my kids have seen it. I have bumped my head on doors and trees. And, and you know, my first, the words that come out of my mouth are thank you. That's messed up. You know, but I'm, I mean, thank you, God, that that wasn't my eye. Thank you, God, that it wasn't my wife that hit me. No, that, uh, <laughs> my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. If you don't have hymns in your life, I just want to encourage you to get a hymn CD and start listening to hymns. My kids, we hear hymns all the time. One of them just finally asked, Dad, what's a hymn? And these words came out and I thought it was the Holy Spirit. I said, hymns are songs about him. (laughs) And it's true. I mean, it's not the original form of the word. But hymns are songs about him. They're not about me. They're not about the daily drama and the details and the pain and the woe and the suffering of my life. It's about who God is. Every Tuesday night we have our prayer meeting. The first half of the prayer meeting is devoted towards worshiping God. Because we figure as long as we're worshiping God and contending for his presence in that place, then when it comes time to asking him to do something, well, it's no big deal. We've already climbed up onto the Father's lap. And we don't have to pound the carpet for him to hear us. But it's just a whisper in our ear as he as we share this delight in each other. God is with us. Okay, here's the decision. God is calling. You notice when discipline is sandwiched between desire and delight, it's no longer discipline anymore. I was talking to my daughter's boyfriend who works out a lot and um, one of these days he might be able to take me um, <clears throat> but I just said I said hey I said do you like I said do you like working out he's like I love it he's like I look forward to it I said well why he's like well I like what it produces and I like the way I feel I mean, he's got this desire to exercise that I don't have. <laughs> and he's got, I mean, he, and he's got this delight, this satisfaction that comes after a good workout. And I mean, for me, all I see is discipline, raw discipline. He never said anything about his schedule. He's working two jobs. He's got a pretty needy girlfriend and he's got a lot going on. Um, and a pretty attentive girlfriend father. Um, Never once did he talk about how much work it was to exercise and to work out. All he talked about was his desire and the delight that he found in it. And I realized, you know what? When, when desire and delight surround discipline, discipline is not a have to anymore. It's a get to. I want to I contend for more of his presence because of the desire that it creates in me and the delight that I have in knowing that I've delighted my father. Are you willing?
Are you willing to die? Are you willing to make room for more of his presence so that he can have his way regardless of what it costs you? Our church is growing. Our connect groups will thrive once we bring our relationship with Jesus, our encounters with the Holy Spirit. Once we bring those as individuals to those places of community, those communities will become more alive than we've ever imagined. Our schools will be changed, and our coworkers are going to take notice when we are contending for God's presence in the deep and secret places. So, I think the reason today might have been so heavy is because I don't like talking about the things that the things that go on in the deep places of who I am that actually produce the joy and excitement that so many of you see. There is deep work happening in deep places, and there's a part of me that doesn't want to share that because I don't want to risk losing my reward or, you know, like maybe you feeling like, wow, what an awesome guy. This, I mean, this whole week I've just been praying God spare me from being that awesome guy. So I think I've done a good job at letting you know that I'm a heel just like anyone else. Hey, can the band come back up here? We're going we're gonna to finish our decision with a song. Um, you know, what we have here when we gather is a bonfire. It's like we are coming together, and there is a fire that's being created as we gather together as a city church family. But God doesn't have bonfire as his vision. He wants this thing to spill out when we as individuals go out and take this fire into deep places in our families, in our schools, in the places of employment, into, this, into society, into this region, and create a brush fire that can't be contained, that can't be stopped when we pursue God like we never have before. I just want you to say that I am in. I became in about 19 years ago, and I can tell you without any reservation, without any coercing of the words, that I have no regrets. I have no regrets from it costing me great things to go deep with God. I am hungry for more of his presence. I desire him more than I ever have in my life, and I am satisfied and hungry for more at the same time. Would you stand? Okay, you know this song, but I want to, we're going to sing these words in a new way. There's nothing worth more than will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. 